Welcome to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast, where we desire to connect you with people, teaching, encouragement and resources that will see you and those around you restored to true humanity. Join us as we seek to help you apply the grace of God onto the details of your life. Welcome back to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast. I'm your host, Jess Finance, and I have back with me today, Peter Sondergeld. Dream team. Yeah, yeah. G'day, Jess. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about identity, or more specifically, uh, our Restoring Identity campaign and the book which Peter has started writing. And for anyone who follows Restore Ministries or is a subscriber of ours, you would have heard about the commencement of Peter's first book. And today I'd like to talk about the past, the present and the future of the project and get an idea of what your heart has been in this topic, Peter, and learn a little bit about what you've been learning and where you've seen God's sure. movement in this time. Yeah. So can we maybe start today and just go right back to the beginning and yeah. the introduction of the concept of identity and what was it that captured you in that space? Yeah, well, it's it's a weird old story. And uh, really it all started when I was writing a um, an essay for a, uh, a CCEF uh, subject I was studying, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. And I chose the topic of self-esteem because uh, the whole category of self-esteem just seemed messy to me because of the self-love that was bound up in it. And I, I just, I was kind of a bit fascinated with it, to be honest, because I could see that there was some kind of problem there for people uh, that self-esteem was kind of capturing, but the way it was being handled just didn't seem to sit right with me. So mm. I wrote this short essay and criticized it and then uh, as God's providence would unfold I ended up applying to study a, um, a doctor of ministry and um, I had to because I was coming in from a non-theological master's I needed to prove that I could theologically reflect mm -hmm. so I had to write a what ended up being a 12,000 word paper to prove that I could theologically reflect and what do you reckon I wrote it on? self-esteem and self-love um, so I wrote these 12,000 words and then uh, I was accepted into the doctorate and I had the opportunity I could go with any topic that I wanted really mm. in in the doctorate but I'd already written 12,000 research words on um, on self-love and self-esteem and so it just made sense made sense to keep going in that direction so that's where I went in, in my doctoral project I uh, tackled this whole idea that that our own sense of our personal value is actually connected to God himself. It's mm. not connected ultimately to what we think about ourselves. It's actually connected to him and that uh, we were designed to be extrospective by nature, which means that we are images and we are worshippers. So we curve away from ourselves, not to ourselves. And I tested, I guess, by running a discipleship course in the local church up here, I tested whether people's personal value would be able to be managed and stabilized by looking away from themselves rather than to themselves mm -hmm. and and it was and it actually worked and uh in one sense i wasn't surprised in another sense i was pretty surprised you know it's like man well, this is this is a thing mm. uh as i thought some more about it in the latter stages of my uh doctorate and then uh since finishing it became really apparent to me that when you start talking about personal value for people, what you're really talking about is identity. And one of the key caustic, like acidic, um, corrosive um, powers in a sense on our sense of our identity is shame. 
Um, and that really, like if you look at the definition of low self-esteem and shame, they're, they're like 99% the same. You know, so when you're talking about low self-esteem, you're talking about someone struggling with shame. And um, so I just went, oh, right. So this is actually an identity thing. It's not just a personal value thing. It's an identity thing. Um, and, you know, people, there are people all over the place that need to be restored, you know. And that, that's probably the thing that has struck me the most since uh, writing this stuff and even um, writing the course that I wrote for my doctorate is identity is a massive issue for people. And I'll be honest with you, like it's a way bigger issue for people than what I think it is. We've been running this identity course in the project up here a bit and I, I kind of, I kid you not, it, it probably sounds ridiculous to you, right? But I go into these groups and I kind of go, uh, who's really got an issue with their identity anyway? I don't know, there's probably going to be two out of six who, have, who are struggling or grappling with something. And I kid you not, like every time we run it, it's like to a man, because it's men's groups that I'm involved with, mm-hmm. every single one of them is struggling with their identity and living out of this, oh, it's a, a good word for a broken identity, yeah. this corroded identity to some extent. And this, the stunning thing is people's hunger and their thirst to not do that anymore and their willingness to just dig and drill down really deep into what's going on for them because they know that the way that they see themselves or the way they understand themselves feeds directly in the way that they operate. And um, so it's that's really exciting. So it started with this thing that just felt uncomfortable for me and then there was a few little bits in there that were opportunistic and now this thing just feels like it's looming really really large (laughs) and it's really significant and that's not even you know taking into account what COVID is doing to people yeah in terms of people reconsidering who they are and what their identity is like it's having a massively powerful effect on people because people are just revisiting it I mean I'd I saw a news article the other day where they talked about this really high percentage of people who are making career changes um, and I think it was, it was something like a third of people are making major career changes at the moment. You see, that, that's an identity thing. Mm. It's like, who am I? What am I made to do? Whoops. Like, I'm in the wrong thing, you know, and yeah. I need to go and do this thing because this is what really makes me tick. This is what really fits in with me. That's kind of Ephesians 2, you know, where it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's a uniqueness to the good works we do because they're connected to the way that God's made us. That's huge. It's massive. And there's definitely something that we're seeing in our society right now and partially our creation and this real, I don't know, sense of urgency that's almost come out post-pandemic. People scrambling and searching and looking for, um, yeah, looking for their purpose and their identity, whether that's what they've labelled it or not. Yeah. But this yearning to um to work out where they fit and what purpose is and mm. yeah, it's exciting to know that there's something new coming into this space. Well, you know, it's um, it's easy for me to say, right, because I'm doing <laughs> it and we're inviting people to partner with us in it. But you know, you you start thinking about timeliness of putting out some helpful biblical content on identity mm. in the next. I reckon this the identity shifts that are going on for people are probably going to run for at least the next two years. I reckon. Mm. And it's like, what are we doing? Well, we're actually taking something that's like ultra, ultra relevant. Like I can't think of too many things that are more relevant 
than identity right now. And we're wanting to get it out in the marketplace and see people be restored and move into being the person that God's called them to be and that he, he had in his mind's eye in the very beginning yeah. and see them flourish in it, you know. And probably it's going to affect where they serve in the church, uh, the career that they're involved in, but it's all going to come from God's leading and God's created realities uh, as to who they are, yeah. you know. It's exciting. It is. It's very, mm. Well, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> so let's talk helpful content then. Mm. We know that you're writing a book. We know that its basis is on identity. Is there anything else that you can tell us about? What yeah. can we expect from the book that's going to come from all of this? Yeah, that's a yeah, good question. Look, it, it really centers, um, probably the best way to put it is it centers around the idea of true humanity and that sin dehumanizes people. And uh, so if you look at the story arc of scripture, you've got uh, everything was truly human and right and shalom was present in the very beginning. And then sin comes in, it breaks shalom, people get dehumanized, shame comes in and kind of insulates them from each other and from God. And then you've got this sordid tale of humanity through the Old Testament of being dehumanized and dehumanizing each other and operating out of their dehumanization. And then after 400 years of silence, the true human shows up and he's got skin on and he doesn't just forgive us, he joins us to himself mm. in, in union with him. Now that, that's a mega theological theme, but in terms of the practicalities of what that looks like, man, I think we're just scratching the surface at the moment, the stuff that I've read about that. And so the, the arc of the book, in a sense, follows the arc of human history where, um, you know, we talk about dehumanization, shame locking us into it, the effect of our relational worship when we turn it away from God to something else. How does that, how does that affect us and change us in really negative ways? And then Jesus comes and he joins himself to us. And just like you see in the Gospels, when Jesus touches people, he doesn't get dehumanized, they get rehumanized. That's what happens. And you see that all over the place. And that's what happens when he joins himself to us is we get rehumanized. But we know that it doesn't happen instantly. So the, uh, one of the chapters in the second half of the book is um, progressive rehumanization, you know. And if you're a theologian, like, you'll go, that sounds like progressive sanctification. Well, that's what it is. Well, how do you get progressively rehumanized? Well, you walk really, really closely and personally with the true human and you get rehumanized by that. Um, and so then the latter part of the book is going to deal with... Um, who people uniquely have been made God, by God to be and how can we speak to each other in the church in ways that call out the person that God's made us to be. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking for some time is churches are, people in churches tend to be pretty good at praising one another. We call it encouragement a lot, but we, mm. it's kind of more praise. Encouragement's got a forward trajectory to it. It's got a forward momentum. And I think God would want us to be like Paul with Timothy, you know, where he sees something in Timothy. He sees who Timothy is and who God's called him to be, and he keeps calling it out of him. He says, come on, come and do this, because that's who you are. You know, don't be afraid of that person, because that's not who you are. You, you are not a slave to fear. Come, come, come on out, Timothy, and be all of the person that God's created you to be. And that's where, that's where the book will, uh, will finish up. It's beautiful. Mm. 
And that um, brings to light really that relational aspect that mm. comes into the formation of our identity and people speaking in to us, speaking life into us. Yeah. So uh, something that we have mentioned as we've talked about the Restoring Identity campaign on our Restore Ministries platforms on social media or through our emails has been the purpose of the book going forward mm. and that it will become the central part for the small group discipleship programs that we run through Restore Ministries. What is your hope in that as we look to change into this Restoring Identity content? Yeah, so um, it's kind of, it's, uh, it's probably a weird way to say it, but it feels like a coming of age for Restore Ministries. You know, it's it, we're not leaning anymore on Mike Wilkerson's book, Redemption. It's like, no, God's called us mm -hmm. to, to serve the church in Australia and internationally, and it's time that we grow up. You know, and we actually provide our own uh, material. And, and really the material is really just the fruit of the work that God's been doing in us locally at the Project Church. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is and the journey that we've been on. And, and so we get to articulate that or I get to articulate that and then we get to offer that out to other people. It will become, you know, the, the curriculum, I, I guess if you want to put it that way, for restoration groups. But um, the plan once we've been through enough revisions and got enough feedback on it is uh, to go to a publisher so it would still work also as a standalone book mm -hmm. so it wouldn't just be course curriculum so that's that's kind of in the back of our minds too as as we're pulling it together yeah it's good it'll have different avenues of helpfulness hopefully mm. um across different communities australia-wide worldwide yeah universe-wide <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who knows how far it'll go mm. um god sends these things on great trajectories that we can't even anticipate yeah, totally. so yeah who would have known even 18 months ago that this would be coming to life so yeah well and i'll just add something to that like the thought of writing a book for me like four years ago is like yeah okay that's a really good joke <laughs> you know but here it is it's happening yeah a bunch of chapters have been pulled together there's some people who are good at writing and good theologically who are kind of going, this is, this is really helpful. This is really good stuff. So I don't say that to uh, give myself a pat on the back, but I, I, I find it hard to believe when I get that feedback. I just go like, really? Like, this is a kid that did, you know, two-unit general English <laughs> in year 12 and got 64%, you know. But it's, it's God's style, isn't it? And he calls us into things bigger than us and mm -hmm. gets the people around us that we need and equips us to to do what he's called us to. Yeah, absolutely. So something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, and that was the concept of shame. Mm. And I mean, I've had the privilege of having a little bit of a sneak peek of, yeah. at some chapters that have come out off your fingertips already. Mm. <laughs> and one of those does kind of revolve around this concept of shame and what that does to our concept of identity and how we're yeah. living out um, as we're operating under that shadow of shame. So, can you talk a little bit more about perhaps that chapter and yeah. what we have a hope for with yeah. that chapter as well? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, shame has been a big thing personally in my life. And um, I think the way that I put it in the chapter is uh, shame is the echo of dehumanization on humanity. So I think it's been said before that guilt is about what you've done and shame is about who you are. And uh, whenever you see shame happening, around the place where people are feeling worthless or they're feeling dirty or they feel like they need to hide um, or they just don't feel good enough, uh, they haven't made the grade, um, 
that's kind of the this stain of sin. Mm. It's it's not actually the sin itself. It's a stain of sin, and somehow with shame you can um, you can get forgiven um, for sin, and the shame can kind of stay there. So it's kind of like the the sin's been wiped away, but there's still that grease mark yeah. on you. Uh, and that's that's the shame, and that grease mark is a grease mark on your identity and the way that you understand yourself. And the particularly um, destructive um, part of shame, or the, the really difficult part of shame, is the way that it insulates you from help. Uh, you see, God's made us relational by nature, horizontally and vertically, and it's actually through the relational pipe into our life that we get help from God and from others mm. and shame makes you shut that pipe off you know you just go I can't have that pipe open because then people are going to see me for who I really am and they're going to they're going to reject me and so we, in a sense we can shut that pipe off and we can stop harmful things coming down the pipe but we also stop rescue coming down the pipe mm. um, and and that's that's the bit about shame that gets me pretty angry, to be honest. Like I think about it, I just go, you dastardly thing, you know. Like don't don't you be doing that. Don't you be turning off people's relationality to other people and making them hide because that's that's what they need. That's what they need to get out of it. And that's that's how um, it's such a you know the I think it's the psalmist talks about he lifted me from the miry clay and that that's miry miry clay that. The way out for the shame-filled person is to be loved. Mm. But it, that's it's kind of the most dangerous path almost. That's like the scariest path. And so uh, that's why it shows up early in the book because like, the first chapter is how we get dehumanized. And the second one is, well, now we're stuck because of shame. We just go... we we're not getting out of that anytime soon because, you know, we see in Genesis 3 the the response of Adam and Eve to the uh, onset of shame is that they hide in the bush. Yeah. You know, and so what do we need? We need someone to love us who doesn't, is not in denial about the stains on us but loves us anyway. Um, but that's, that's a scary bit, you know, to, you know, I, rem- I remember talking with someone a while ago about that. I mean, it's not a dude's kind of verse, but you know that one that says he rejoices over me with singing? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure there's many likes it. Maybe Akadaka kind of singing, <laughs> I don't know. It's like they'd, they'd probably like that. But, um, you know, and, and um, this particular person just made the comment, oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just I don't feel very comfortable with that. Mm. And um, we just talked for a bit and... I, I suggested, and she didn't. I mean, it wasn't like there was, you know, the angel started singing at the end of this interaction. But I said, "Oh, do you think maybe that to be fully loved means that you need to be fully known?" And uh, we just talked about that for a little bit, and then just moved on and talked about other things. But I think there's something in that, like to really deeply accept love. Um, you you need to be known deeply, mm. and that's. In a sinful world, uh, that's dangerous. Yeah. Even with the perfect love of God, it's it just because of shame, because of sin, because of the mess, it just feels dangerous. Yeah, yeah. certainly does. Mm. No, there was a lot in that chapter that definitely resonated with me. 
and uh, yeah, just how deep and drenching mm. that grief stain can feel. Yeah. And yeah, the the totally. binding, the binding of that shame that sometimes isn't even recognisable to us. It's a very scary thing. Mm. So we have the great excitement, though, of mm. looking to release that chapter, yeah. don't we? Yeah, we um, do. To our subscribers. So we're hoping that that will happen uh, the end of 2020. Mm. Yeah. So if you're not hooked up already, yeah. uh, so get Sign yourself up. on our mailing list yeah. and get a sneak peek at, at Peter's book, yeah. Chapter 2. Shame, we've just made it sound very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm excited about just putting a little bit of it out there, you know, because we've yeah. talked about this for a little while now and I don't know, maybe it's a skeptic in me, you know, but I kind of think, oh, maybe there's some people out there going, is this even a thing? Is it even <laughs> happening? Is there anything going on? And like, yes, there is. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to people reading it and any, um, I certainly would welcome any feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, um, we definitely know there has been some things happening because you have had a few periods of writing leave yep. so far this year. So what can you share us about that, those times that you've taken to just really focus and bury yourself into the development of this content? Mm. Where have you seen God's presence in mm. that as you've kind of partnered with him to write this book? Has there been any mm. uh, movement or shifts of thought or anything that he's kind of spoken to you through that process? Yeah, yeah. Too many to mention, but uh, I'll pick I'll pick one or two. Um, I, I, first thing is I just love it. I love doing it. I, um, you know, I'm a lead pastor, so I feel like I have to do four or five things every week, and they're significant things in terms of categories. Mm. So to take some time off and just do one thing is straight up is just a real blessing. Um, I I have found it. Um, in a really good way uh, overpowering or overwhelming sometimes. Um, and that, that's been good. I feel like God's enabled me to just kind of be immersed in what I'm writing and what I'm thinking about. Um, so an example of that was writing the first chapter on the dehumanization of, of sin and being dehumanized and just the, the sheer volume of death Mm. around us and I just I that just got so heavy you know and I genuinely struggled under it you know and it wasn't a kind of struggle like I've got to get out of this it's like there there is a genuine weight to the dehumanization that happens around us and the stuff that we do to each other and and um yeah I just I remember saying to um to Ange my wife I, I just said I, I just because I always want to some gospel to be at the end of each chapter. Yeah. And I remember saying to her, I've just got to get to the gospel soon because I'm not going very well because <laughs> this is heavy and it's weighty. And, yeah. and um, she's made the comment. She said, yeah, you just can't think about it too much. If you mm -hmm. think too much about the amount of death and trouble around the place, it'll get to you, yeah. you know. Um, and so I, I think it's that, – that was – in a strange way, that was a, a blessing in a sense to just be able to sit in it and and then to see, you know, like we learned from uh, Isaiah to see Jesus be the one who's dehumanized by us. Yeah. I mean, he's so badly treated that um, he, he's kind of dehumanized physically mm. the way he was treated. Um, so that was that was really. Um, that was really uh, uh, powerful. I mean, there's other things that have been really powerful, like just coming to the 
doing the reading and coming just to the realization of how how much the Garden of Eden is a kind of temple, the first temple. Um, that was that was really helpful, and that that theme kind of comes out in the in the book quite a bit. The biggest wrestle, and it's ironic, uh, the biggest wrestle of the book of writing the book is making sure that it's coming out of me. You know, so I got to the chapter on the fact that we are relational and we're worshippers by nature. And look, there's a lot of material on mm. um, worship, on human beings being unceasing worshippers. And, um, you know, what happened with that chapter is I started writing it and I was kind of spouting out uh, what um, other people were saying yeah. about worship, which is really good. And there's so much good stuff out there. But the Lord kind of got to me and it's like, Peter, you need to give out of what I've done in you. You need to give out of what I've shown you, which is in some ways it's kind of a, a mixed bag of a bunch of those things that other people have written that I've read. Mm. But it's kind of ironic, right? It's like, Peter, when you write a book on identity, you don't have to try and be like someone else. Yeah. You just need to be you and pour out of, pour out of you. Um, and so I think on the first proofread, I think I... I think I threw out three and a half thousand words mm. on the first proofread because it's like, yeah, no, no, that's that's not me. And you know, for those who know me, you'll just go, yeah, some classic Sondergeld isms in there, you know. <laughs> and one of them was like, I just went, okay, what, well, what would I call um, the fall of humanity? Well, one of the things I'd call the, the fall of humanity is it's the first smash and grab, it's the first ram raid, it's it's Adam and Eve not waiting relationally with for God and they're just smashing in, grab what they want and then running. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay, yeah, I can see that happening all over the place. People just smash in, they grab what they want, they don't wait and stay connected to God relationally and then they run off with it. Mm. And I can see it in my life. You can see it through the Old Testament and that's just one of those categories that as God led me to give what he's been doing in me and what he's been teaching me, I realized that waiting and relationally rich waiting is a massive category in the scriptures. So it's going to show up in one of the chapters. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll wait and see. Yeah. So in the meantime, while we're waiting for the book to be released, um, if we've got people that are listening that are grappling with their personhood, they're grappling with their identity, uh, potentially with shame or mm. the dehumanised state, uh, and they're not sure what they are, where they are or who they are, where can people look right now as yeah. they're struggling with this concept of identity? Yeah, that's, that's good. The bottom line is that people's identity wrestles. If you go right back to... Um, Genesis 1, mm. um, humanity's made in God's image. We're made to reflect him. We're made to be in relationship with him. We're, we're royal family members of his. So our normal state is being relationally connected to God and being close to him and being deeply personal with him. Um, and he is deeply personal with us. Uh, that's, that's the uh, James 4 thing, right? Like draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Um, so that my recommendation would be to find is, is to read some authors that 
keep things personal and help you to be personal with Jesus. Um, those are the ones that I kind of hang out with yeah. quite a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of blogs on our website, the Restore Ministries website, and they try to keep things pretty personal. Yeah. Um, so people could have a look at that. But it's it's really like uh, that question that you're asking there is how do you – you're really asking – how does someone wrestle with their identity? Well, you have to get closer to Jesus. <laughs> you have to walk really closely with him. You have to be really connected to him. Um, you, you need to be, you need to know and be known by him. And there needs to be some safe people around you that mm. can know, that you can know and they can know you and you have really deep relationship because that's, those are really critical pieces for the restoration of people's identity. Um, so that, that would be my encouragement. A couple of authors I find personally, now this may not work for everyone, I find Eugene Peterson really helpful. Eugene Peterson tends to keep things really, really personal. He's passed away now, but his book Run With The Horses is probably one of the best that he's written, uh, I think. I think you can go to some Christian Counseling and Education Foundation online content. They keep things really personal. Um, I think Paul Tripp, helps to keep things really practical and personal. Um, so you just be, you know, you can read stuff on identity, but the problem with a lot of stuff on identity is it's a cognitive fix for a relational problem. Mm, yeah. That's that's the problem. So everyone's problem with identity ultimately is a relational problem. It's a There's a problem vertically, but there's also a problem horizontally. So secular psychology wants to throw out other people's opinions and i'm going whoa whoa like yeah like people have got some dumb opinions maybe i shouldn't say dumb but <laughs> they got some bad opinions that are helpful that are unhelpful to you yeah but that doesn't mean that you throw them out altogether it just means you need to find some people who can see who god's made you to be and speak life into you and pull and drag you out mm. of whatever's going on on the outside so all of that just to say you know you're not going to fix an identity problem by a 30-point bullet point kind of plan yeah. or even believing um, truthful things about you. I think that it'll help, but that's not most of the battle. Most of the battle is a return to imaging God, to being close to God, opening up that relationality pipe with God fully and starting to open up to some good people around you who can kind of speak into you yeah it's really helpful thank mm. you so how can our listeners continue to partner with you and pray for you as you carry on writing and developing the rest of the book yeah listen i'm going to be doing a bunch of weeks of writing over um kind of the second half of december and the first half of january so totally just would love for people to pray um i don't know i don't it feels like there's a bit of Every time that we push ahead with this identity stuff, it just it just feels a little contested uh, in a spiritual warfare kind of way. So I'd love for people to um, pray in that direction and ask the Lord to uh, just just cover it. Um, and I just um, I just want to um, be really close to Jesus when I'm doing it. And so just pray that um, I. I trust him deeply, especially because you just have those those moments where you just get snagged on something and 
Um, you know, it's it's easy to, I don't know whether it happens to anyone else, I think it does, but it's easy to lose half a day really quickly when you get stuck on something and you're trying to work out how to articulate it. And I just want to be able to trust in Jesus in those times. And I, lo- I just love the idea that there's people praying, just saying, Lord, can you help him to write things that are really going to be helpful for yeah. um, for other people? I mean, the last thing I think is um, I don't know how much funded we are for the whole project but it's probably close to half of what we need so we've probably got close to 15 grand i think so i mean if if there's anyone out there and this is stirs you up and the lord stirs them up to um to be generous yeah i mean it's restoreministries.com.au forward slash partner i think it is yeah we've got a partner tab on the website so that will give all the information about the restoring identity campaign yeah so we're i mean it's exciting i mean it seems for me to be doing this just seems weird, but um, I love to do new things and I love to take a risk on some things. And, and you know, it wasn't that long ago I was talking to an Acts 29 pastor in California who um, was really, really interested in, in something like restoration groups getting up for them and he's just wanting to wait for the new content to come out. And so it's pretty, it's pretty exciting and a bit surreal at times too, but it's pretty exciting. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking the risk and and following where you feel like God's leading you in the development of this Mm. book. And I know that there's a lot of us that are on your team, Pete. We're excited and we're looking forward to the content and we just, yeah, really know Mm. how helpful it's going to be from what we've seen happen uh, within the Project Church and the people that have kind of walked through this identity stuff already. But, yeah, yeah, just seeing even how it's changing you and growing you as well through the process. So thank you for putting yourself out there and, yeah, trusting God in this space. Mm. And as always, we like to finish with scripture. So is there something that you have to close us out today? Yeah, I do. This one's a cracker. (laughs) This is is 2 Corinthians 3, um, verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast. If today's episode was a blessing to you and you would like to support our ministry, please visit www.restoreministries.com.au forward slash donate. Every generous donation is used to further equip and serve the broader church to see people restored to true humanity. Or if you would like to access further articles, videos and resources, please visit our website, restoreministries.com.au and head to our resources page. Restore Ministries Australia, a catalyst for Christ-centred change.